0: Previously on the Galactica Quorum.
1: James Callis in particular thinks of the show and the script on a a level that I'm not even, I don't even know what planet he's on half the time. He really, really picks it apart and is really involved with the the mythology of the show and and what works and what will make sense. If any two actors could sit down and write an episode, it's those two because they're absolutely brilliant.
0: There's the tiniest bit of the Baltar humor when he was going to stand on the eye and he kind of kicked with his shoe, Dan's hand out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> he was kind of like sitting there like, okay, oh I'm God. ready for it to happen.
1: We've done some head Baltar in this season coming up as well. James Callis is bald. <laughs> 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 Explosive.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. This is episode 35. Today we have myself, Brian, and... Michelle. In this episode, we have a special treat. We have, as you might have guessed or deduced from that little sound clip, we have an interview with James Callis, Balthor himself, that we recorded earlier this month at the Farpoint convention. Before we get to that... Just some housekeeping. Our website is GalacticaQuorum.com, and our email is... GQuorum at gmail.com. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so tired of saying that. (laughs) I don't know the voicemail because it's not 2020 BSG anymore. (laughs) Right. Here's the voicemail number, 206-350-6756. Please leave us a message. Visit our website. We actually do have voicemails. We have at least two to play that we will not get to this time because we just want to get right to the interview. And the same goes for a really interesting theory we got about the final five, which we will get to next time. So like we mentioned, we have an interview with James Callis. When we talked to Aaron Douglas earlier in the summer, he told us that James and Jamie Bamber kind of view the show on an entirely different level, a different plane, and that certainly is true. James has an approach and a viewpoint of the character that is just so detailed and deep, and he just sees the show in just a wide scope. I think that'll be conveyed when you hear the interview. But without further ado, let's go ahead and roll into this interview. So we're talking to James Callis. We're at Farpoint Convention, and I have to say, when you first came in last night to the banquet, we were a little bit surprised because you look much different than we've last seen you. That's on right. The That's right. Is this just something in the interim you've had another role, or are you, are... Um,
1: no? funnily enough, this is for. Uh, there's two things going on. First of all, um, my character in the show had an epiphany. And uh, it seemed that the best way to show the epiphany was that I had a haircut. Mm. <laughs> uh, I think the fans have been asking me to have a haircut for something like three years. And it felt rather good, actually. It came out of, um at the end of the third season, which everybody's seen, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh I can talk about that. And the trial, I actually, uh, personally, you know, I didn't like to look at myself in the mirror after that. The man is, uh whatever you think about the man, it's it, it's quite a mantle to put it on. And I'd find myself in the morning looking in the mirror going, I feel like I'm 60 years old and, <laughs> and unhappy and really low. And mm-hmm. like, and it was amazing that shaving off the beard and cutting the hair was like a real release. It's like, no, I'm not that man. I, I play that guy on television. I don't have to actually be like this, look like it, which yeah. is... Uh, and they were sympathetic to me. <laughs> they understood, I think, that it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it can take quite a toll on you emotionally, anything that you're putting yourself through. Acting wise like that, and so uh, he had kind. He has a slight change of heart, yeah. and then recently, whilst we've been on hiatus, as it were, forced hiatus because of the strike, I just thought, well, you know, just a mm-hmm. little trim, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> James Callis is bald. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive. All right. All right. Exclusive. Is <laughs> Aaron Douglas oh, yeah. is
0: his haircut also. No, actually,
1: I really wanted to go bald, to be honest, for something coming up, and they were like. You know, uh, to be honest, we can't have that because there's too many of you right now who are going through similar things. With and essentially, it'll be like you know the Three Stooges. Mm. <laughs> I won't say who the others are, but there are people who don't have hair in our show, and they were like, "No, you got to keep some, James."
0: <laughs> now Baltar has had some dark moments, but in the first yeah. season, he seemed like there was a little bit of lighter element to his character. Mm-hmm. That kind of tapered off as it went along. Was that a deliberate choice? And if it, Yes, did you you miss doing that?
1: No, I'm one of those people, I think, who just likes to do it rather than think about it too much. So it's just about, you know, what's on the page for that day. And uh, I suppose with so many things in life, you you get better at something the more that you do it and the more application, you know, practice makes perfect. So I think that, you know, I do believe the second season was better than the first season. I believe the third season is better than the second because collectively we all just you start having a language that is not even talking. There's a look in the eye, I know what you mean, you know what I mean, and we kind of go for it. There was something as well about, I wanted to be very different, or at least thinking that I was very different, Mm -hmm. from lots of other science fiction stereotypes. And uh, what Gaius Baltar has only been involved with because of the explosions and the annihilation of most of his people, it's so monstrous. So I always felt like if I played that in any way that I, I really knew what was going on, then I'd be devoid of all sympathy. I'd be a monster. Actually, it wouldn't interest me. So I wanted it more to be somebody who was like, you know, he made the wrong mistake. He, like, he put his credit card in the wrong thing. It got eaten. Mm-hmm. And then it's the end of the world. Somebody who's a bit hapless. Mm-hmm. And this is in in truth based on somebody I know who is a brilliant brilliant kind of scientist, psychologist, psychotherapist, and possibly the worst liar I've ever met in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Totally transparent. Like, you know, oh, I was just at the shop. No, he <laughs> you were not know, uh, So I felt that that was, you know, sometimes you've got these people who are so, they're very clever, but they can't tie their own shoelaces or they don't know what day it is. And I think that part of the lightness was Gaius being very much in denial because he couldn't accept it for himself. And the further you are in denial, the more air you give yourself to play with, you know, right. uh, you're, you're running away from it. It wasn't really me. Right. Really? I wanted yeah. to get a t shirt made called Not Responsible. <laughs> and then on the back, ever. But unfortunately, <laughs> Responsible wouldn't fit across my chest. And so they were like, well, do you want Responsible like this? I went, no. oh, like down ways, Or I was like, no, forget it. <laughs> uh, I'll just have to think that one. You um, can it like a sash. You know? Indeed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so as the seasons progressed, and uh, there's some, I don't know who the person was who thought of this thing, but apparently there's. In going through a crisis, humans go through something about denial. What is it? Aggression, acceptance—the five stages acceptance, the five yeah, st- of something or other. And yeah. uh, in, in a strange way, I think Gaius goes through those five stages in every, every scene, yeah. in every yeah. Every, every, yeah. Episode, <laughs> every moment. Right. But there's a kind of grand arc. And if I can say on the podcast, you know, the second season gets grittier and shittier, yeah. and you can't you can't run away from it as much. And then basically, you're like, hey, do you know? Um, have you heard of a king rat? Do you know what this, it is? Mm-hmm. It's actually revolting. Um, <laughs> lots of rats get together in like a duct or vial from a pipe inside a church. They're all massing over each other. Mm-hmm. And basically, then they, there's too many of them and they can't, they can't get over each other. In the heat that they then produce, their tails fuse together, mm-hmm. making a kind of Gordian knot. Mm-hmm. And then they're all trapped with each other and they all rip each other apart. It is, I mean, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I'm making very, like, revolting faces now because it, it, it's so horrible. But that's kind of what happens to the the people in Galactica. Mm-hmm. We are totally trapped on this, on this ship, and the more we're pressed together, the more you're forced to confront so many unpleasant things about other people and unpleasant things yeah. about yourself. This is one of the huge strengths of our show, mm-hmm. um, because... I always like to say it's the end of the world, and if I can possibly do my next door neighbour a disservice, I will, because mm-hmm. we're that petty. Mm. You don't actually understand how important it is. You've got your own, your own flipping. Yeah, the world's lost. I lost everything and everything. Now give me back my five quid or whatever <laughs> my five dollars. Yes, yes, it's yes. pathetic, and that's the way that people are trying to run themselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a long-winded answer to a rather <laughs> simple no, question.
0: Good. I love the. Characters have had some major surprises to them, like what we've known of the final five, like Mm -hmm. Ty and Tyrell. Your character, what has surprised you? If you had known when you first started, what has surprised you now that you're coming towards the end of what is a long arc?
1: Surprising, I I suppose, is um, I'm I'm slightly jumping into this season now because, you know, I'm a man of science originally, and yet a man of science who has, dare I, like messianic visions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is very odd. Mm -hmm. Somebody who... uh, you know, thinks that that's all bunk and everything has, um, what is it? there are no phenomena in nature. Everything is natural. So uh, hmm. it's, it's rather difficult for him to comprehend. And that's the huge reversal. I suppose as well, what's happening is over the course of the series, although it shouldn't be so hard to understand, is this man's actually getting a heart. He's been a bit heartless before. Mm -hmm. Heartless, vain, narcissistic, with uh, no consequences whatsoever at the beginning of the miniseries. You know, he's like a rock star scientist with all these awards, sleeps with all these women. One of them happens to be a robot. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear. And uh, slowly he's coming into contact with ever more people. I think in that house that he lived in, you know, what, what would he ever have to do? Roll over to the lab? Sleep with somebody, be in the house. There's not very much contact. You can kind of keep yourself in a bubble. Rather nasty, narcissistic kind of bubble. And it's totally been burst. And now he's like with everybody else. And uh, he certainly feels for people. So uh, he's kind I don't know if it's religious, although there is a religion kind of coming up with uh, some suitable nutcases to, uh, you know, chant it all out. But this is, I suppose, the big difference or the big surprise is that this uh, man of science has something else going on that he finds it rather difficult to accept.
0: Listening to the Ron Moore podcast, there's often times when he will say, talking about a commentary for a show, uh, that an actor had on the fly come up with something or improvised something. I'm thinking of one of the last episodes from this past season Uh where Romo brings number six the pen and uh, number six smells the pen and... I thought that was brilliant, and Ron said that Trisha had just come up with that. Yeah. I thought that was great. Is there anything that you particularly remember
1: coming up with? I I think we all come up with stuff like, you know, the whole time. There's things written down in the script that you either pay attention to or you don't, uh, as the case might be. The lines you're always paying attention to, some of the stage directions don't make sense when you've got the thing actually on the floor. Yeah. I think that we're all lucky because we're kind of a, a very instinctive cast and intuitive. This kind of thing is happening all the time, I well, think. One of my favorite Baltar moments from season three, I think, was during the Rapture
0: episode when Jan is dead on the floor and Baltar steps into the light. Yes, And he you, takes his shoe and he just kind of flicks her wrist out of the way. I just thought it was comical. It was funny. I, I don't know where that came from. But well, I'll tell you where that
1: came from. That's that's a, that's a kind of a thing like Trisha sniffing, sniffing the pen. Mm. It's like, um, what what's the... Um, okay. Let me digress slightly to talk about musical farts. <laughs> okay? Because this is a very it's actually it's not my friend, it's a friend who I work with in London, but he's like, you know, you set up something amazing. It's like, you know, the, the, the warrior comes forward, he's got his sword on his hilt, his face is all bloody and everything like that. And then somebody farts. <laughs> it's like you totally take away the the awesome, you know, like that. You're um, you're pulling the rug out from mm-hmm. out of somebody's feet. So I felt, you know, this was this huge thing and the big moment. And, you know, if you are the chosen one, there's a certain so, deference so. that Guy certainly doesn't have. You know, mm-hmm. so he's going right. to kick her leg and get out of the way, you selfish cow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's my moment now. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't even know how to control his own moment, which is why I did that shuddering thing about, actually, you know, that totally was ripped from soap did you ever see soap yeah, yeah. A great I, I loved soap and there was that I f- is it bert from soap is what's his is his name bert the guy with white hair there's this sense. wonderful mm-hmm. bit where but totally i was copying this thing where bert is sitting in the bath and i think he's talking to benson our, or, or his wife at the time and she says what's wrong honey he goes i'm invisible i can make myself invisible and she says, no, you can't, But And he goes, I can, watch. And he goes, he does a similar thing that I did with my eyes. Where I was trying to copy, he's like, <laughs> like that. <laughs> and then he goes, am I invisible? <laughs> and she says, no, of course you're not invisible. And he goes, I'm in the bath. Of course it doesn't work when I'm in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had a similar kind of thing about, you know, when I was standing on that platform, it's like he wants he wants so much to be this person. Mm-hmm. And it's so self-evident that he's not in some way. He doesn't know what to do. And that's why, for example, on on that moment there as well, the end of that moment is Aaron, Chief Tyrrell, coming Mm -hmm. forward and smacking me over the face. Mm -hmm. Now, it was not written that way. And uh, the thing, it it was actually a kind of, um, as they felt, a cinematic out for literally a gun to click by the forehead. And you would then pan to Aaron's face and go, hello, Mr. President. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I said to Michael and to Aaron, I said you know you hate me and you're a kind of bear of a man if you see somebody like guy standing there and you've got the opportunity you're know, just going to put a gun to my head you're going to smack me out mm. and that then really worked for us because by knocking me unconscious they could then we we totally made all this up about getting me back onto the galactica mm-hmm. because i was saying to michael michael ryan the director well If everybody knows about it, as soon as I get back to the ship, I'm going to be lynched. Mm -hmm. So then we developed this intricate thing about me being, you know, in a body bag, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember when we were filming it, there were some executives on set going, What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, where is this in the script with the body bags? and (laughs) Like that, like, hey, you saw the numbers, leave leave those things to us. Um, And uh, I think it really worked. And there was something very exciting about, I felt, in storytelling terms... This man who has come back to the ship almost like Lazarus in a, in a body bag. Nobody knows. It's top secret. That's very Galactica. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody is aboard the ship. Nobody knew about it, etc., right. etc. et cetera. And it, that gave us a, a credence to the prisoner who was then stuck there in kind of solitary, et cetera.
0: So how much freedom and input <clears throat> do they allow you as an actor to add to the script? I mean, are there points where you're like, oh, that ain't going to work?
1: No, I don't think we add to the script, to be honest. You know, it's all about time and making everything tight. The, the amount of time, what what actors normally like to do, and I'll tell you a joke about that in a second, it, we like less lines nearly always unless you're on stage and there's the 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 joke is that there's the Hollywood star who's like you know I, I need to be you know in this movie and I need to be in every scene of the movie because I'm the star and everything wonderful wonderful because the more scenes the big star's in the more people are going to watch it and sure. the better it is mm-hmm. and then the star looks at the movie He has too many lines there's lines every what, 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 you know I can do that with a look <laughs> and I can do that with a uh, and there's something very um, difference between television and movies is that, you know, uh, television is a lot of talking heads. And uh, a motion picture, in, in a way, can tell you things just in the picture. It, it has a universal language. And we believe on set that the people who watch our show are as bright and brighter than we are. So there's several things that we like to cut because we're like, hey, I, I don't need to tell them that 20 times that the people watching this show are really smart. And if they're not, then they're not going to get it anyway, but there's something really pedestrian about spoon feeding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and saying the same thing again and again and, and again, and what's far more interesting is not telling you something right. so that you then as the audience are like, so it's not about adding nearly mm-hmm. always. It's about subtracting. Okay. And that sometimes is, uh, is difficult because, uh, not the people are particularly precious, but you know the writers of that's why they write. They write something down. They love it. That you know. No, you can't cut that. Why would you do that? Like, well, because I can say it slightly differently, or because it might be. Oh, so many words come come to mind for backing up your case. It's gilding the lily. It's too on the nose. It's etc. Uh, and listen to the amount I'm talking now. I mean, people can't even shut me up. I'm on set <laughs> saying uh, I'd like to say less and do less and and be. Even though this might sound like uh, the pot calling the kettle black," especially coming from my mouth, we'd prefer to be in the subtler scale than not. And obviously, my character has difficulty with that because he's not subtle. Mm-hmm. But there's ways in which people can be. Mm-hmm. So you only want to cut something if you find it like impossible to say, or you, you, it doesn't come naturally out of your mouth. And as an actor, the only way that you're ever going to find that out is actually if you say the line yourself and try it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there is no point ever in like, you know, going to somebody right. going, I can't say this, or I can't do it. If you haven't actually rehearsed it right. and been through it, it that's uh, senseless. So you've got to try everything, which is what, what we do. Do you think in the post-strike TV landscape that...
0: Well, we've been subject to a lot of bad TV, just the reality shows, the American Gladiator and whatnot. And, mm. and that's the antithesis of smart viewers, really. it's They don't want to think. They want to sit there and kind of yeah. tune out. Do you think another show like Battlestar could happen again? Is the situation changed such that they're not going to want to invest in a show where people do have to think a little bit
1: more? Or I'm not sure. I, um, I think that the way that technology is going, which is, you know, driving. Look at the – we're recording on these very – funky-looking space-age <laughs> things. And, you know, the, the technology is pushing us to a certain, a certain place right now. I have to say that, you know, I don't see, I don't see TV getting dumber, particularly. Uh, I think once the bar is set, and there's so many great programs on, scripted shows on, you know, you learn from them, and you want to do something slightly different from it. I mean, there's some reality TV shows I love watching. I mean, really love watching. I don't know if you saw Jack Osborne and the recruits. Did you watch any I of that stuff? I watched some of that, yeah. That's just <laughs> such great drama. He really
0: buffed up for that, too. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, well, he was a big kid. Yeah, but he you know. still looked
1: big. I thought that was kind of cool in the sense of that he, uh, he was very, you know, normal. I just, I thought he showed a lot of grace mm-hmm. looking after those uh, children. And I was, I don't know how old he is, but he's, he surprised me with his maturity mm-hmm. and, uh, and his leadership. So I was like glued to this thing, and it uh, was like it was great drama. It was kind of like lost, but I knew what was going on.
0: Right. Nice.
1: <laughs> you were in the middle of filming
0: the last season uh-huh. before the hiatus. At that time, were you sort of like looking forward to the, reaching the end? Very for, much. And now that you've had time off, are you reinvigorated? Do you want to? Like, That's exactly more? how
1: we feel. We really felt that we were gunning towards the last stretch, and we know that the show's going to be over at the end of this. So, yeah, I mean the break. The break has given us all a perspective on how nice it'll be to see each other again mm-hmm. and uh, and finish off the show. But yeah, I really want to finish off the show.
0: So you're ready to move on to something else?
1: Oh I mean, yes, I think I think we all are. I think we all are. I think the writers, mm-hmm. I think you know, the actors, everybody is uh, there's only so much as well on it, I believe, on a really well contained show like ours that you can do. And I think that was such a smart decision by Ron Moore mm-hmm. and David Icke that you know they didn't want to go on for 14 seasons right, and yeah, right. there's the old joke about you know this is the episode where Adama loses his pen mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh dear and now he'll find it no 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 that's in the next episode exactly exactly <laughs> when he finds it again so yeah we, you don't want to run out of ideas and you want right. to keep everything kind of compact mm-hmm.
0: You get to play a character that has many aspects to his personality Mm -hmm. but you also had a brief chance to do the head Baltar Mm. how did you approach him differently than the regular I
1: think on a very simple level head Baltar is just in control in a way that Gaius isn't And we've done some head Baltar in this season coming up as well that has been for me really great watch out for that episode, I love it (laughs) I mean, why would I love it? (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes, uh, so it's—he's uh, just more in control, I suppose. What is it? It's almost now thinking about it. It's like if guys had a hero, it might be Head Baltar He's like in control. He knows what he wants. He's dapper. He's serious, and he doesn't have the same. Um, you feel like if you got hold of Head Baltar, you'd actually be able to hold something, whereas Gaius is like a fish. <laughs> he's yeah, like grabbing. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna. He's like Teflon. He's yeah. gonna fly out of your hands, or you know, he's uh, slimy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's slimy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I Head Baltar's not. Okay. It. Well, <laughs> I said it. There he is. There he is.
0: <laughs> the show is very much a mirror of our time. It started at a time that was post 9-11. The New Caprica portion of the show and could be seen allegorically as Iraq or maybe Nazi so Germany. <laughs> mm-hmm. In this country, a common theme we're hearing now is change. And coincidentally enough, as BSG heads towards its conclusion, not knowing anything about Four Seasons, just what I gather is change is coming, whether it's silence with humans or just individual characters That's character true. Change. I think
1: that's absolutely true. Do you think that was prophetic on the writer's part? Is it coincidence? I th- you know something? I think that the... They have planned out what they're going to do. I don't know if they've actually written all of the nine scripts, but I would imagine having had this time off in the hiatus, there is a certain amount of reality. And, uh, you know, in a strange way, we've almost done the Clinton-Obama debates when Mary and I had our, you know, run off for the presidential campaign um, in season two. Mm-hmm. But I think there'll, there'll be something of hope and and change very much so in the last nine that we're doing. Certainly the the first lot that we've done... It's almost like lots of pieces of string in, in um in a roll, and you blow them all out. And like the last nine episodes is going to be the concertinaing, the bringing together of all of the threads. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our show is ever, you know, an optimistic Battlestar Galactica. It's almost like imagine. an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, but there will be hope, and there is change. Yeah. Great.
0: Thank you Excellent. very much.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. So thanks to James Callas
0: for that interview. And we had a really good time at Farpoint. Where we got to sit in on some panels. Right. And talk about podcasting. That to do it for this episode then. Next time, like I promised, we'll have some BSG discussion and comments and questions from some voicemails and emails that we got. But do send in some more. Our voicemail is two oh six three five zero six seven five six and our email is gquorum at gmail.com GQ U O R U M and visit our website at galacticaquorum.com. So until next time, bye bye. Bye bye.
1: Hopefully, I will talk about Battlestar. You know, rather we can talk about, about anything. You know, really, about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> right? Exactly. No, you On you a know. tangent, if you want. You know. <laughs> okay.